1 Timothy chapter number 5, we're going to find ourselves in verse number 11. And the Bible says, But the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. Um, a younger widow, if her husband dies, she doesn't, she should not give up her walk with the Lord and her faithfulness to the Lord just to get another man to marry. And this is what God is trying to get us to understand because that would be a problem. <laughs> you don't, if, if she still has children who are living and in the home, she doesn't want to give up raising her children just to get another husband. You don't want to give up the greater relationship that you have with the Lord just so you can say, well, I, I got married again. God doesn't want that for, for anybody. A, a, a widow's first love and first relationship should, should stay with her Savior, the Lord. And if a woman is living for God and her husband dies, she should continue to do what she was doing when her husband was live, living, which is her staying faithful to her God. Now she's going to have to depend on God more, but if she already was living a life of depending on the Lord, it is going to be a lot easier for her after her husband dies to do the same. Will it require more dependence? Yeah. She's going to have to really lean, lean in on the Lord. But what happens many times is that a younger widow will start to have a change of heart and then all of a sudden the world has more of a pull for her. And so God's trying to, uh, to warn about that. That's why He says, uh, look at the end of that verse, for when they have begun to wax wanton. That wantonness is loose living. And God forbid, that's a sensual or unrestrained life of rebellion and no... No widow, no woman should get into that type of loose living in any situation. You don't turn away from spiritual things if you end up being a widow. That's not the solution. And look, look, look what happens. Let's just back up a little bit. Because watch, if a woman is obeying, let's, read, let's go to verse 5. If she's obeying this verse, Watch this. Uh, let's read verse 5. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God. You have a widow that's obeying this verse. She's trusted in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. You know what? If she's obeying that verse and she ends up being a widow, there's a good chance she's not going to end up violating verse 11 and beginning to wax wanton. <laughs> Look at verse number 10. Watch what it says. Well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, if she had lodged strangers, if she had watched the saints' feet, if she had relieved the afflicted, if she had diligently followed every good work. You know what? If, she's, if she was obeying verse 10, if she becomes a widow, there's a real good chance she's not going to end up waxing wanton against Christ. 
And that's, that's, that's just something to really think about. She doesn't want to be verse number six. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Because you can, you can bank on, if you're living verse six, you're going to end up living verse 11 as a, as a widow. All right, so that's that. That's verse number 11. Um, let's read it again into verse 12. And I think verse 12 make more sense when we, when we talk about it. So in verse 11, But the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry. We'll say a little bit more about this in a minute. It's not that it's wrong to remarry if your husband dies. What the issue is, you're going to just marry because you're going to wax wanton against Christ and then you're going to do that and then you're just going to end up getting yourself married because, well, what we just talked about because. So don't do that. They begin to wax wanton against Christ. They will marry. And then 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 12 says, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. The first two words, having damnation, it's not talking about, it's not eternal damnation. It isn't an eternal thing, it's a temporary thing. It's going to happen down here on earth. We just made a comment, it's not a sin for a woman whose husband has died to get married again. The sin or the problem is you're just, you're a widow and you've just got pulled back into the world. Now you're just waxing wanton, living loose, and you're just turning, your, you're turning away from spiritual things and away from Christ. And so Bible warns having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. The damnation is this. She has traded something of eternal value she has traded something of higher value for something of lesser value and that's the warning here don't do that having damnation because they have cast off their first faith <laughs> you, you kind of feel like when things are going well yeah god god's got my back god cares for me but when things in life start to come at you with disappointment, that isn't the time to cast off your first faith. Life is going to be full of disappointment, but don't stop exercising faith in God when that happens. And ladies, God forbid if your husband dies, but if he does die, don't wax wanton against Christ. God forbid. You don't want your husband to die, but if he does, don't cast off your faith in God. Stay true and stay faithful to the Lord. Is the Lord, is the Lord taking care of you now? Guess what He's going to do in a different situation. He's going to take care of you. Their first faith. Uh, you see that phrase at the end, their first faith. Um, make a comment on this. Many, 
Many commentators say that this pledge of faith is toward their first husband. In other words, when you got married, you pledged to be true during life, you know, for, for life, we all know that. But then after, if, 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 a hus if, a, if a lady's husband dies, or if a husband's wife die, some commentators make that verse, or will say that that verse says, you've got to be true after death as well. I don't believe that's what the text is teaching at all. Um, the warning isn't the warning isn't if a woman's if the warning isn't if a wife's husband dies, she can't get married again. The warning is don't throw off, don't cast off your first faith your your first faith. That is Christ living for him. Don't start to get drawn back into the world and start living uh, loose. Uh, that's not. Uh, I believe that's what the verse is saying. Not not to yet to stay true after death. Uh, verse thirteen. And with all, they learn to be idle. Now, what's interesting about this is that we'll keep reading. Keep that word "idle" in your mind. And by the way, when it gets to this verse, and with all, they learn to be idle. If you look at verse number 10, if, if someone was living out verse number 10, there's no way they could be idle. <laughs> I don't know how in the world. You're, you're doing good works. You're, you're, you're raising your children. You're lodging strangers. You're, uh, you're relieving the afflicted. You're following after every good work. That's not an idle lady. <laughs> that's a wife. That's a, that's a woman who is busy. She's not idle. And she, now look at verse 13. And with all they learn. To be idle. They weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. They learned to start doing some other stuff, just idle stuff. And uh, it, that's unproductive stuff, by the way. You just see idle time. You're not. There's no production. Nothing is getting done, and you're not using your time wisely. Young people, you ever have your parents say? Don't use your time idly. Don't waste time. Use your time wisely. Uh, that's the idea here. You don't want to learn to be idle. You want to learn the absolute opposite. Learn to do something good for Christ. Productive to your family and to society. But this word idle, we'll keep reading. Keep that word in your mind. Wandering about from house to house. And not only idle, there it is, again, but tattlers also and busybodies. I, you, got the word, you got the word idle twice in that verse, and then at the same time, busybodies. Well, how can you be idle and be a busybody? They're idle, yet they're busy. Idleness isn't really not doing anything. Idleness is being busy doing things that have no value and are unproductive. What are you doing? Nothing. Come on, you're doing something. What are you doing? Nothing. You're sitting in front of a screen doing nothing. That's what you're doing. No, you're doing something. It's idle. And it's not productive. And God wants us to use our time productively. And it's 
It's busy bodies. These are ladies that are busy about everybody else's business. And gentlemen, it can be the same for us too. We can all take the application. We're meddling around in things we ought not to be meddling around with. And we're all just better off meddling in our own business and getting our own business right rather than being concerned about what everybody else is doing. So you have a widow. Now she's just using her time idly. She's in everybody's business. The other part, the other way you can read, you can read it busy bodies, or you can read it as busy bodies, where the emphasis is on body. It's always a focus on body stuff. You know, you got um, the divorce rate is just spike high. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's not much better in Christian circles. And a fella, all of a sudden, he divorces his wife and he casts her aside. And then, and then he has this obsession now with his body. He's going to eat right and he's going to exercise and he's going to get himself in shape. And well, wait a minute, why didn't you do that when you were married for your, your wife? Or the, uh, you have a widow now and, and her husband's died off and now she's a busy body. She's focused on her body. You never went to the bar before. <laughs> You might find a guy, but he's not going to be a guy that the Lord would have for you. You might cut it up on the cut the rug on the dance floor, but you're going to end up not really in a good relationship. Same thing. Now, well, I'm I'm obsessed with the gym and all of this and all that. Well, you were you doing that for your husband when he was alive? Well, no. It's this busyness with obsession with the body. That's an equal problem as well. And with all, verse 13, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. And not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Let's say this. You don't want, we don't want to be a church that you have somebody that's faithfully living for the Lord is one thing. But if you have a lady who is now older She's not saved. She could care less about the things of Christ. She's had one man after another man after another man, drinking, drugging. It's not right for her to come into a church house and put a guilt trip on the local church or the preacher or its members and say, well, can't, don't you help people that are down and out? Don't you help the poor? No. Well, yeah, we do. The carpet needs vacuuming, and then when that's done, we'll have money for you. The walls need painting, and when that's done, the, the, there's some dirt that needs digging, there's some plants that need potted. So yeah, we do have money for those that are down and out. You mean I have to pick up a paintbrush? Yeah. Yeah. Don't come. I am not going to feel guilty. That doesn't make me mean. You shouldn't feel guilty. That doesn't make you mean. You're not guilty. <laughs> 
The local church isn't guilty and shouldn't be charged as guilty because you've thrown away your life because you spent 60 years drinking and drugging and gallivanting around town and doing whatever you want, then all of a sudden you need some money for your light bill, you come to a local church. It's not right. That's not right. So we shouldn't feel guilty about that. And we'll help somebody, but that's not the help they need. Uh, that's not the help that they need. Wandering about from house to house. That's the house to house visitation of gossip. And uh, we don't want to be involved in that. Did you know? Have you heard? We don't want that. We don't want to do that. Tattlers. Look at that. But tattlers also. How many of you heard, don't be a tattletale? <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, that's the idle talker. <laughs> that's idleness. Well, I'm not doing nothing. You're talking. It's tattling. It's just idle talk it's a tattletale don't be a tattletale and you don't need to know all the latest news did you hear this about Susie did you hear this about Johnny no and I don't want to it's idle talk and Proverbs warns all about a talebearer um, they reveal what should be kept secret a, uh, a talebearer stirs up strife. And guess what? Would you take your fist and when you see somebody in school or in your neighborhood, would you punch them three or four times in the chest? Nobody would do it. Proverbs talks about talebearers, their words are wounds. And they hurt. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Fill in the blank. But names will never, except they do hurt. And tattling and idle talk, it does hurt. And you don't want to do that. That's why Proverbs likens it to the words as wounds. That's what a talebearer does. And you see it says, speaking things which they ought not. At the end of verse 13, God's okay with you speaking things, but not the things that you ought not be speaking. Giving information that is needed is not being a tattler. I think we need to just park for a minute on this so we can understand. If a crime has been committed and you need to give information that is needed, that is not being a tattler. <laughs> If there is an emergency, if something that has happened that requires an adult's or your parent's attention, that's information that is needed. That isn't being a tattler. If somebody pushes you around or shoves you around and is bullying you or beating you up at school, young people, or at the playground, wherever it may be, Telling your parents isn't tattling. <laughs> You're not being a talebearer. That is giving information that is needed and needs to be revealed. Okay? The same in church. Well, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to be a talebearer. Uh, you wouldn't have been a talebearer. 
If the information is needed, you've got to tell the information. Everybody get that? We got to get that. Don't be afraid that you'll be sinning. Uh, you'll be a, don't be afraid that someone will call you a talebearer and, and, and withhold information that your parents need to know. And if you're ever on the fence, just tell your parents the information and then afterwards ask them, was I being a talebearer? And they will explain to you, no, that was information that was needed and you have to tell. Make sense? Somebody puts their hands on you inappropriately, ladies, gentlemen even as well, and young people, you're not being a talebearer. You are revealing truth and information that needs to be talked about. You've got to talk about it. But giving information that is not needed is tail-bearing. Well, did you see little Johnny? And did you see the clothes he was wearing? I mean, come on, who would wear that to church? Now that's tail-bearing. And that hurts. Those words will wound. And here's the good advice if you ever feel the need to say things that aren't needed. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Don't say it. If it's not needed, zip of the lip. Anything you say can and will be held against you. And so don't talk yourself. Don't just don't talk just don't talk yourself into being a tattler. Alright? Just zip it if it's not needed. Okay. I think we understand that. Look at verse 14. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. And this world hates that verse. Uh, women, God wants them to get married. God is absolutely not forbidding it. Um, he doesn't want you to be a burden to the church for support. But God's will for a young lady and, and dads, fathers, and even, even moms, uh, you need to teach this verse along with verse number 10. Verse number 10 and verse number 14. If you want your daughter to know God's will for her life, she is not going to find it through a college uh, education professor. She's not going to find it by reading books on feminism. And she isn't even going to find it through hours and hours of prayer, although hours and hours of prayer is a good thing. She's going to find it very simply and very plainly in verse number 14. God's will. I will. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry. That's a good thing. Bear children. That's a good thing. Guide the house. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. We already went through verse 10 a few times tonight, but that ties right in with it. Um, instruction of bearing children. And the question is asked, well, ladies, here, here's one way you can answer the question. I'm sure there's many other ways. 
What's your career? Well, my main career is I stay true to my husband and I train my children. That's my main career. And when I have time, here's what else I do. I'm a secretary or I'm a, you know, fill in the blank. But your main career is to take care of your kids and your husband who isn't a kid, so you don't treat him like a kid, even though I'll leave that one alone for another sermon. But she's to bear children. What are your skills, ladies? If you ever go for a job application and they say, what are your skills? I am a wonderful wife. And I am an amazing mom. And I know how to guide my house and cook meals and keep it clean and keep everything organized and I can deal with difficult people because I'm, I'm married and I have children. I have a lot of skills. It's this idea that the culture says that kind of being a family man or a family woman, is a, it's like a bad thing. You have to be like immersed with 80 or 90 hours working for Wall Street to be considered successful by the world's standards. We're Christians. Since when do we care about the world's standards? That's what your skills are. Now guide the house. Guide, ladies. Guide, guide, guide. The Holy Spirit inspired this. You get married. If the Lord blesses you with children, you then guide the house. It's important, this word guide. Go back to Genesis 3.16. Because... The Revised Standard Version, i got to park on these things every now and then. The Revised Standard Version says that the ladies should rule the house, not guide the house. So let's see what other parts of the Bible say, just so we can get an understanding on why the RSV is completely wrong and why the Bible that we have in our hand is completely right. Genesis 3.16 it's a tough verse, ladies, but we'll, we'll help you plow through it. Genesis 3.16 Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Now, we don't have to go through that, gentlemen. And then it says, And thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee now he's not being abusive that's not at all what this means and because this world is so perverted and it, because it wants you to have a perverted mind he shall rule over thee like, like we were saying the other week we, we don't we don't lock our wives in the trunk and let her out when we feel like it. That's not at all what this verse is teaching. But this world would have you think that if you read Genesis 3.16, that somehow you're this abusive ruler. No. The husband is the head. And he is to set the rules. He gives those rules to his wife. And the wife then guides the house. 
That's the order God has. The man is supposed to be the head of the home and he is supposed to set the rules. I believe because he's less deceived than the woman. He's less susceptible to being deceived. So God says, you're in charge. And if, you, and, and if something messes up, you're it. Blaming you. And probably because wives and women are just a bit more organized, God said, ladies, you're not going to rule, you're going to guide. I believe God's got it right. And I believe in 1 Timothy 5, the King James Bible has it right. They are to, they are to guide the home, not rule it. They're to guide it. Guide. Okay, now it says... Look at the end of verse number 14. Give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. When you first got saved, and think about that, you're saved, you get married, your faith is strong. The world was dead to you. All you could think about was living for the Lord and raising your family for God. You lived by faith, you trusted, and you depended on God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The warning here is for a widow. As time waxes on, there's a warning about having a rekindled love for the things of the world. And that influence of that rekindling of a love for, the, for, for, for worldly things could draw her into getting married under those terms, which wouldn't be a good thing. And God, so God goes back to that warning don't enter into another marriage relationship if your husband died because you got drawn into the world, because you're going to be worse off. And if you are doing, ladies, what you should be doing, you won't ever fall into the evils warned about in verse 13. Young people and us gentlemen, same thing. If we are doing what God wants us to do, we don't have to worry about being idle or tattling or speaking things which we ought not. But when you get away from doing what you're doing, that pull is going to be there. It's going to be like reeling you in. So be careful of that. Christ is the true spouse. Satan is the true seducer. Last verse 15. The Bible says, for some are already turned aside after Satan. Eve turned aside from God when she was tempted and turned aside after Satan. Go to Titus 2. Titus 2 verse 4. Don't turn aside to Satan. Here's what you do in, instead. Titus 2, verse 4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God be not blasphemed. Now, young women need to be taught this. And I can preach these verses as a pastor 
but older ladies are going to do a much better job at teaching the younger ladies these truths than any pastor will. I can preach them, but you're going to do a better job teaching them, not only by your example, but by going through these verses with them. Going back to verse number 15 in 1 Timothy 5, for some are already turned aside after Satan. Satan's big two words was, I will. And that was his fault. I will exalt. I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. I will sit. He wanted the highest seat. Now remember we talked about, you want to find out what God's will for your life is? And it says in verse 14, I will therefore that the younger woman marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. We saw that in verse number 14. But if you put your will ahead of God's will, if any of us do that, how are we any different? How is the behavior any different from Satan? Satan said, I will, I will, I will. He put his will before what God's will for him was. And I'm telling you, when we do that, we do the same. It's, we're just like Satan in that behavior, just like him. You know where the feminist movement got their advice? Satan. I will, I will, I will. And that's not what God wants. So wrap up his thought with this. Um, verse number 16. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. So, when is the church, to wrap up, supposed to step in and provide? If a widow doesn't have any children or any nephews, if she is over 60, and if she has a life of good works, in other words, she stayed faithful to God, that is when you see a proven life for God, that is when the church should step in. But not before, but not before. Well, what if, what if they just go and get a government handout? Here's the thing. We, this 1 Timothy chapter 5 is for the church. It's not for our government or any government. We're not trying to make the government obey 1 Timothy 5 or any of the Bible for that matter. Our responsibility is that we are part of Christ's body and His church, and our responsibility is to teach God's truth so that we govern Christ's church the way He wants it to be governed. We're not supposed to take this and apply it to our workplace or our local government even. That's their problem. You're going to do what you're going to do. You want to be part of the body of Christ at this local church? Now we are called, well, the government does this. I understand that, but we're not the government. We're a local church. Well, don't you vote Republican? Yeah, but the Republican Party is not an extension of the church. <laughs> it isn't. We are to govern ourselves based on what the Bible says 
And it, it doesn't matter what others are doing. What matters is we need to do what's right because this is Christ's church. And we need to govern it the way He would have us do that.